Come, linger, and join the conversation as we sit at the feet of Rabbi Jesus in the upper room. In this week's Upper Room Conversation, Brian and Giles explore God's desire for his disciples to have eyes that see his kingdom and ears to hear his voice. Hello, everyone. This is Brian again. Welcome back to the Upper Room, sitting here again with my good friend Giles. How are you, Giles? I'm doing well. Thanks, Brian. Good. Man, last week's conversation about ordinary men was outstanding. Um, we have seen this play out in our own life with these young men that have come forward to be discipled, and we're watching them. Uh, I know you guys, the medium that we're using is audio, and you can't see me, but we're watching these guys take off their Clark Kent glasses and peel back their ties and their button-down shirts and revealing... Um, the Jesus that's inside of them. And it's so exciting to watch these ordinary young men become extraordinary. Yeah, it's just been such a great privilege. And I like how Brian used that analogy because we're not Batman in this situation where we're putting on these special things um, that we, uh, which I think a lot of times we may feel that that's what Christianity is, but it's actually removal of all of these outer layers. And, you know, we see that so many times in Scripture with terms such as refining fire or uh, the potter and the clay and how he's molding it into his form. And so the Superman, Superman analogy, I think, is a really great one because in all of us is that God image. And the world has... Um, really, I believe, put on all these extra layers, which when we see people begin to remove those things, it's extraordinary to watch, and it's incredible to see what God is doing with them and will be doing as they go forward on this journey with him. You know, the word sludge uh, is what came up in my prayer time this week, that those things that you put on, it actually builds up the sludge on your heart that it's not like a layer of an onion that you peel back. Oftentimes, you, you, you kind of have to thin it out over over time. And But today, as we transition from this idea of these ordinary men that Jesus chose to impact the world and the encouragement to any of our listeners, men and women alike, who want to become that, you know, we transition to this thought that, yes, they were ordinary, but they also had some very specific traits and characteristics that Jesus was looking for. And, you know, the biggest, one of the biggest ones is just this idea of, are they a teachable spirit? Because God is looking for teachable spirits. Several times in Scripture you'll see hard-heartedness or um, spiritual blindness or spiritual deafness. and But God is desiring those that are actually going to have soft hearts, um, that are going to be teachable, that are going to have eyes to see and ears to hear. And we see this play out multiple times through Scripture 
But I think a great way to start, Brian, is I think is Matthew thirteen ten. I think this ten through seventeen. I think this could be our verse as we're talking about what is a teachable spirit. And so I'll, I'll share that with us. So Jesus came and he asked them. Uh, well, his disciples actually came and asked Jesus. Sorry, he said, "Why do you use parables when you talk to the people?" Jesus replied, "You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not." To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear. And their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. So Giles, as you're reading that, you know, a couple notes that I had written down and a couple real points of emphasis, because, you know, Jesus does repeat a number of things, both his own words and both the words of Isaiah. But, you know, this line, for their hearts of the people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes. You know, that idea that I think sometimes it's easy to read for the hearts of the people are hardened and say, well, I can make an excuse for that. Something happened to me, some some trauma, some event, some bad thing possibly happened to me that helped me shape who God is. And well, it's not really my fault. But then look at how quickly that transitions and it says for the, and they have closed their eyes. So is this idea of, seeing, hearing, soft heart, being teachable, is this a willful choice on our part? That's a great question. I mean, and from from what you've stated about how they have closed their eyes, it seems like there's an active participant in that on our part, you know, on the part participants that were there listening to Jesus give these larger crowd sermon type messages. And Jesus knew that. And we know that Jesus understands the heart because, again, we see even that play out several times in Scripture where he's like, he knew what was in their hearts. And so this hardened heart, this this almost willful blindness, willful deafness of not wanting to hear what he was saying and what he was sharing— Jesus was speaking in parables himself because he knew that those that were receptive were going to pick up something more than those that had those hardened hearts, but he wasn't throwing pearls before swine, right? He wasn't just throwing out truths in that way, and he was being very selective about who he was actually going to share those deeper truths with, and it was the ones that he knew had, had not closed their eyes and had ears that were open, those selected ordinary men that he had picked to walk with him. Yeah, and then 
the idea that their eyes cannot see, their ears cannot hear, their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them, you know, that's actually the consequence of this choice that people are making. And I think we see it, and I think here recently in this particular round of discipleship groups that we're going through, we've seen it a number of times in these groups where we're watching this, and and as a and as a leader, you know, and I and I always, I I, I always joke around that I think you know Jesus had like a permanent face palm, you know <laughs> that he, you know, but I, we're seeing it quite a bit, and you think, oh my gosh, like how can people not see this? How can people not? Um, experience him in this way and when you really start pushing into it and leaning into it and really listening to people's stories you find out you know really that some point along the line they've made a willful choice to shut that part of their heart off to shut that part shut you know to put their hands over their ears and maybe not be willing to hear even maybe not everything that Jesus has to say but but some things, and I think I'm I think I'm guilty of that sometimes on a daily basis. I I think that even we can. You had said about like maybe an experience or some kind of situation in which someone's heart was hardened, that they may have gone through, but I think that we can even go a little bit further sometimes with speaking against God in this way because we love to a lot of times when I've heard about hardened heart the message I hear is one about Pharaoh Mm -hmm. and that it was, well, God hardened his heart. But in the Old Testament, we see over and over God giving multiple opportunities, even to Pharaoh. So there still was a choice that Pharaoh was making. And it was like, he kept walking down that path towards that hardened heart. But that leads into a question and you can share Romans maybe with us about do we, is God giving us an opportunity to actually hear and see? Because we may be stuck in a situation where we think, well, if my heart is hardened in this way, I don't even have the opportunity. Yeah. You know, Romans 10, 17, but everyone who welcomes the good news for Isaiah, but not everyone, sorry, but not not everyone. The welcomes, negative. Yes, not. <laughs> twice we've done that. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. But I ask, have the people of Israel actually heard the message? Yes, they have. The message has gone throughout the earth and the words to all the world. But I ask, did the people of Israel really understand? Yes, they did. For even at the time of Moses, God said, I will rouse your jealousy through people who are not even a nation. I will provoke your anger through foolish Gentiles. And later Isaiah spoke boldly for God, saying, I was found by people who were not even looking for me. I showed myself to those who were not asking for me. Rebellion leads to blindness. But regarding Israel, God said, all day long I opened my arms to them, but they were disobedient and rebellious. So just like Pharaoh, God is giving us these open arms. He is giving us his story in different ways. And according to to Romans here, 
again, we play an active part in whether or not we get to hear that or not. And Paul is pulling straight from Isaiah and Isaiah six, and we'll share that verse later, but every time Jesus is speaking about this, about these hearts, these eyes and these ears, it's all relating back to that Isaiah six at the beginning of Isaiah. And Paul is actually speaking, here's what Isaiah says as he went through the whole thing. These people had all these opportunities and all of these things. So Isaiah knew that there was going to be hardened hearts at the beginning because God told him. But Isaiah's whole ministry was about speaking these words and giving them the truth about the Christ even. And they kept rejecting it and they were rebellious toward it and disobedient. But it's not like God was not giving them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And the same goes for us. So if we are struggling with that, God is giving us an opportunity. So it sounds like from what you just said, and you know, in, in these words, disobedient and rebellious, right? Are those passive words? Are those, are those things that happen to me? I think again, I go back to what I just said. No, disobedience and rebellion is an active choice on my part. And, you know, I have to really stop and think about actions, right? And I think as I go back to the beginning of this, um, where Paul says, but not everyone welcomes the good news. The unfortunate thing is, is that, and again, I, I say this, I can't, I can't emphasize this enough. This is me. This is me. Sometimes on a minute by minute basis, I can move in and out of, of disobedience and rebellion and belief and faith. Like I can move in and out of it, but, but I want to say something here that I know we believe, and I don't know that we've said before yet on the podcast in this way, welcoming the gospel in this way that Paul's talking about. Welcoming the gospel will always move me to action in the same way that rejecting the gospel will also lead me to disobedience and rebellion. There is always an action when you come face to face with the gospel. So is God desiring for us to have Blindness and deafness. I mean, when we go back to first where Jesus is talking about it in Matthew, and then we're seeing Paul talk about it here, and then even when I sort of alluded to Isaiah, is God actually desiring this, or does Proverbs 20.12 actually speak to God's desire? Right. Ears to hear and eyes to see. Both are, what is it, Brian? Gifts. Gifts from the Lord, gifts from the Lord. And Giles, here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again. I'm going to harp on this all evening, it seems like. What must a person do with a gift? You're at, you're, you're at your birthday. You're at your anniversary with your wife. What must you do with a gift? We have to receive it. Receive it. It's no good if it stays there sitting in the box, handed a pretty wrapping paper, and we say, well, I'll get to that next week, or I'll get to that three three or six months from now. Proverbs is actually putting it into, like, when we let's think about other gifts from God, right? The talents, right? Parable of talents is about gifts from God as well. And we see multiple manna in the desert, gift from God. We see multiple times 
these gifts from God, but we didn't have it. It had to be received from him. So by our, in our natural state, in our natural sinful state, without Christ, without God, we actually can't have ears to hear and eyes to see. That's what Proverbs is telling us. Right. And again, doesn't change his desire. Like you said, does he desire? Well, no, he, he desires that all would hear, that all would come into that understanding. But he's also the creator and the giver of wisdom and the st- studier. And he, 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 made all, he made all of history in him. And he does know that there are some that are just going to choose not to. Blindness started in the garden. Yes, it did. The fall with the with man's fall in the garden, blindness, spiritual blindness took place. So the only way that we can receive this, this gift, this gift that was in our original nature before the fall, but now in our original nature, again, our default status is blindness and deafness. It is only through Christ, as we've been seeing in all of these things, either the selected that he knew were going to have those teachable hearts, um, what Paul says in Romans, alluding to Isaiah, and then here in Proverbs, it's all the default is actually deafness and blindness. The gift from God is sight and hearing. And it's a cho- it's a choice to receive that gift. Well, and I think, you know, both of my kids, you know this, um, both of my children have struggled with this for years. You know, Dad, how do I hear from God? I don't hear God. I don't hear. And I think even in uh, my current discipleship group, uh, one of the guys was um, just struggling with it. And the most interesting thing happens as you lean into this truth, right? As you lean into this truth, no, God spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden. God spoke to Abraham. God spoke to Joshua. God spoke, like, to the prophets. Like, just keep on going down. David, you know, David clearly and God had, no, he is speaking. He is speaking. So once I accept that, that he is speaking, I then have to turn that mirror inward and say, am I listening? Am I Am I asking the right questions even? And because maybe it is that, that God's tapping me on the shoulder, and this has happened to me plenty. He's tapping me on the shoulder, and he says, no, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this. And I say, no, I don't want to talk about that. And he says, well, then I don't have anything to, <laughs> I don't have anything to say right now because that's what I want to talk about, and I'm the king. And that's thus I end up feeling like he's being silent when really he's just trying to talk and change the direction of the conversation. God's nature is not to blast us in the storm. Right. With the word, right? Now, there are some instances we see it happening, and it's because, and even in some of your lives, it may have happened at that time when you decided to follow God, that he was like, I got to yell for to get this person's attention. But in the normal day-to-day you got to lean in. You got to lean in and listen, right? Because it says he speaks in the whisper. So Jesus speaks in the whisper too, right? And th- and this is the way he's speaking to his disciples. It says Mark 4, 10 through 12. It says later when Jesus was alone, so to quieter place, right, with the 12 disciples and with others who were gathered around, they asked him, 
what the parables meant that he had just shared with the bigger crowd. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that scripture might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. So this is even about talking about the teachability because yeah. we, we talked about teachable spirit. This is actually tying sight with teachability. And when they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they would actually turn to me and be forgiven. Man, and I think about so many of our friends that have been sold a a really short bill of goods when it comes to this this line right here. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. How do you, and again, again, here I'm gonna here I here I go again. How do how do how do I if I'm a teacher, you know, I taught for 15 years and as a teacher, how do I know, or a baseball coach who's a teacher? How do I know if my student or my team has learned something? How do I know? They 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 live differently. They do something different. I remember I remember so vividly this group of young men that I coached um, freshman baseball with, and you know freshman baseball at the high school level here is is a it's a real challenge because you're four maybe three or four best freshmen are going to move up and play JV, and you're left with eight or nine kids that have never played before, played together before. And they've always relied on those really good players. And I remember this group, I was so frustrated with them, so frustrated with them because they, they weren't getting it. They weren't getting it. They weren't getting it. They weren't getting it. And my dad said, man, get it, take it easy on them, teach them something, reward them when they do it right. And then watch what happens. And when I watched that team, I watched that team execute bunts and, and like, it worked. And it was just, I mean, it was just like the disciples. It worked. You know, we cast out demons in your name. It worked. And and you got to see them, but they they behaved differently. And they and they couldn't they couldn't not do it because they because that's how they, they had learned it and they moved and walked in a different direction. Again, it, it's a willful, it's a, like a choice to be blind to something when they're seeing it happen right in front of them just to choose to not believe. And this is such, you know, this issue with spiritual blindness, this issue with spiritual deafness was such a issue for God and for Christ that Jesus, his purpose actually is pulling from, again, Isaiah, his purpose for why he actually came. Part of that had to do with this exact issue. It says here in Luke 4.18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. So then we talk about the good news, right? We talked about that earlier, the good news. But here it is. It says, He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And do we really think that when he's saying the blind will see there, that he's just talking about a physically blind individual that's walking no. around? No. And in fact, Giles, I'm going to ask you this because I know you're passionate about it. And I know we've had a number of conversations about it. But here's a question. Somebody's out there listening. They might have this exact same question that says, okay, okay, God, uh, Jesus did all these miracles and he healed all these people and 
and people just touched his robe. People touched his robe and they were healed. And he, they held out his, he held out his hand and they were healed and all these things. Why don't I see, why don't I see miracles today going on around me? Because do we know Jesus in this way? Do we know him in this way? Because what does it say about Jesus? It says, in his own hometown. So these were people. Mm-hmm. Re- people that knew him. Relatives. Yep, family. Relatives. Knew him as a child growing up. In his own hometown, he couldn't perform miracles. And because of their unbelief, because of their blindness and deafness, and I just really believe that we don't see it because we're choosing not to believe it. We're choosing not to see a miracle. We're choosing not to hear a word. We're choosing potentially to, I mean, really just even when we choose to just walk in the ways of the world, what does the world tell you? The world, what the world tells you exercise, eat healthy, Go to the you know go to the gym on your way into work. Be a good working person. Give to the poor. You can do all of those things. Be a good person, and still not accept that there is another kingdom going on all around you. And and I know I know me and I know you too. I gotta stop multiple times a day and reset. Reset, get back in the kingdom. I go out into the world, get back into the kingdom. Until eventually it's the other way around. That I'm so much walking in the kingdom and walking in the spirit that I'm like, ooh, you know, I gotta I better pay attention to work a little bit more, or I I better pay attention to my other, you know, some other responsibilities uh that perhaps used to be very worldly, but they are still responsibilities that we still have. And like the disciples said to Jesus when he asked them, you know, are you going to leave too? When this was when he was given hard news, yeah. right? And they said, where would we go? And this is, I, I want everyone to know that in no way is this a condemnation of the place that you are right now, if you're struggling mm-hmm. with seeing and hearing. But, it does say in scripture that there's a very there's one thing truly that will hold you that you won't be able to see or hear and that is if there's something within you that and Brian was sort of addressing like even the world or if there's something in you that is keeping you from that deepest level of repentance and uh, well, I mean I I really just have to, I have to say it because again we say don't it. we don't pull our authority from man. We don't pull our authority from man. We go to scripture, we look at it and we say, "Lord, you're talking about all these things about blindness and deafness. You're talking about this group of individuals that were that are able to see and to hear, that remnant, we can even say, but you know in the disciples in Christ's time that were with him. But what do you say about how we see or what gives us sight. And I don't know if there is a better story in Scripture than the story of Saul. No, right. It's great. And and I loved the conversation we were having earlier about this. It really has brought this to light and made me think about it differently. So 
in Acts 26, um, we're, we're at verses 14 through 18. We all fell down, and I just heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the very one that you are persecuting. And and God blinds you know, God blinds Saul. Yeah, we know yeah, this from yeah, right. Yeah, we know this right. in, from Acts nine, eleven through eighteen. That yeah, that Saul's blinded. Yeah, at this Saul moment. is blinded, right? And Jesus says, "Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness." Right, because he at this point had gained. He's Correct. blinded, right? And then yep. Ananias, and we all we shared a story about Ananias before about like, where are you sending me? Yeah. But Ananias touches him, and it says that scales fell from his eyes. Yeah. yeah and then continue. Yeah. yeah and then, sorry. Yeah. Tell the people that you have seen me, seen me, and tell them what I will show you in the future, and I will rescue you from both your own people and from the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes, so that they may turn from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to God, then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. So Paul is Saul. Saul is literally blinded, but you asked a fantastic question about even before this happens. And that is? Saul is spiritually blind. Right. He is blind before he is ever physically blind. He is blind. He's out there persecuting Christians or Christ followers. He's out there uh, persecuting Jesus. Jesus says, you're persecuting me. Yeah. And you don't even know who I am, right? Because he says, who are you, Lord? He's even asking. Like, I don't and then the Lord says, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. So he even gives him that information. And then it's like that. It says, I love, though, how in Acts 9, 11 through 18, it says, scales fell from his eyes. And we know at this moment, knowing the story of Paul, that he has eyes to see and ears to hear. And what is actually what does actually Christ then tell him? I love it. Read that again. Like, yeah. tell, tell the people that you have seen, seen me. Seen me, right? And tell them what I will show you in the future. Show you. Right. So so there's more so so his spirit his physical eyesight had been interrupted. This is so you were talking about how sometimes Jesus yells, right? He he pushes in with a loud voice. For me, I, I have a couple baseball bats that were gifts to me when I was a coach that have my name on them. I'm pretty sure that Jesus has something that looks like that or a two by four with my name on it that, that one, you know, that sometimes he, like, like Paul here, I mean, he's waxed me over the head with it. Like, are you listening? Are you listening? Are you looking? Do you see? And, but he, but he had this encounter and the result of it was the instruction was tell others that you've seen me. So here's the deal, Giles. Some some of our friends are out there attempting to do ministry, do really good things for the kingdom. But here's the thing. Just like Paul, 
we can only give the Jesus that we have seen. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm not in that constant cycle of repentance, constant cycle of evaluating my unbelief, then I'm stuck in, in this limited view of the Jesus that I can see. And so maybe I see the Jesus that I knew growing up as a young child before my heart got jaded or whatever. Or maybe maybe I see a Jesus that, um, maybe on the other side, maybe I see a Jesus that took a child from you know, a child from me when my wife and I were you know trying to have kids and trying to start a family. I, I don't know. But I can only give the Jesus that I that I that I do know and understand and experience. And reading this, I mean, once we have sight and can hear, it's not like it's just some that gift is just something that's given at one time and we will always into right. without any active part on our play, on our part have that. Because he actually says, right, to Paul, he says, tell people that you have seen me. So this is like the moment of like right. our salvation, right? So when we are, I believe that most of us, when we go through our salvation moment, God speaks, we hear, we make an active choice to follow God. And this may be the cynic in me, but I believe that for a lot of people, that's the last time they ever heard from God. Right. Well, and 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 then he right because he yeah. says, and then tell them what I will show you in the future. This means it's a continuum. Continuum, and and here it is going back to what I was saying early on that this when I encounter the gospel, when I encounter the gospel, I am only moved to action. Whether it's sending a text message to somebody that God's placed on my heart, whether it's prayer whether it's getting away for some solitude. When I encounter the kingdom, and then in Paul's case, right, you know, get to your feet. I've appointed you. You're going to go. I'm sending you to the Gentiles. Here you go. These encounters with God result in action. And so, again, if I'm not moving and growing in my spiritual walk, chances are, I've got some blindness and some deafness going on when it comes to taking action and moving with God. And I heard a great word this week in regards to action and choices. There is no non-choice. Right. There is no passive activity that is not an active choice. And that's, I think that, and we're going to, Guys, next week we're going to get into this because we're going to talk about all the things that can derail you, even if you've had sight and hearing, Mm -hmm. and that can derail you from that. And that's the thing. This gift is is this constant walking with Christ to hear him and see him. You have to be near him, right? Because he's not. And so you have to be walking with him. So any kind of choices that move you away from him are going to mute his voice and stop you from seeing what he's seeing. And so this is a this is a very intimate thing, right? This darkness and light that he talks about there, it's a very intimate thing. And in Matthew 6:22, you know, we we get into light and darkness, which is also this sight and blindness. Yep. Right? Yep. You can't see when the lights are off, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So it says 
Matthew 6, 22 through 23, it says, wherever your treasure is, and I mean, we could camp on, and we're going to talk about that verse right there, just that mm-hmm. first thing. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And then in Luke 11, 33 through 36, I'm just going to read this one too because it's so important. It's mentioned in more than one gospel. No one lights a light, a lamp, and then hides it or puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. And don't remember just hearing that. Make sure that the light you think that you have is not actually darkness. If you are filled with light, with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. Man, I, I am so, you know, again, we speak in parables, right? We tell stories. Um, you've, you've heard all the stories of our property and koinonia. These are, all, these are all real stories and real parables unfolding about how God is drawing this community together. But, you know, when I think about this one, I remember such an impactful statement and I, and I don't even know, I don't even know that the person that said it realized that it was in scripture here, but wherever your treasure is there, the desires of your heart will also be. And this was, and and this is, this is for you listeners out there. I was taught that I could not trust my conscience, that my conscience was this fallen evil part of me. And it was really just in the last year or so that I heard a, a teaching, a podcast or a sermon, where it was brought to light. It was a podcast. It was brought to light that my conscience only reveals my treasure. My conscience only reveals my treasure. So... If Jesus is truly on the throne of my heart, there it is. I have been given a new nature. Jesus, he sent his spirit to dwell inside of me. And so if his spirit dwells inside of me, I now have that new nature. I have that new soft heart, a heart after after God's own heart. And I can now trust my conscience because my conscience is actually the voice of Jesus speaking to me. But boy, that's a real challenge to make sure that I'm keeping him, that I'm keeping him on the throne because my flesh is constantly trying to supplant him and replace him on the throne. Our flesh will move towards the action of being unhealthy. And you see this unhealthy thing that speaks here. And this is the dependence dependence on Christ for light, right? Because Jesus is even known as the great physician. And I don't know, like, I'm sure that uh, if one of our friends here that always was able to pull these 
<laughs> Hebrew or Aramaic or Greek words out of the air would know what that term for God as the great physician, Jesus as the great physician, but he's known as this great physician for the reason of making us healthy. So you say when your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. When it's unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. So what are you looking at? Right, right. Am I seeking those things of the flesh, which always are going to lead to what? Death, which is unhealthy. I mean, I don't know if there's much more unhealthy than the nature of death, but all those things still kill, destroy. All the things the enemy wants us to seek for are all unhealthy for us. And we know those. We, we say it all the time. But do we actually still pursue those things, those unhealthy things? Or do we pursue the healthy things of Christ, what his dictates are for our lives, what it means to be, well, there's this other thing that says you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, I have heard this so misused so many times, right? Because everybody's like, well, money is not evil in itself and all these kind of things. Okay, and that is, I totally agree with the fact of it's not evil in itself, but Jesus is using this very specifically because he knows the draw of that as a money is a purely temporal in these terms is a purely temporal, temporal thing. And he knows the slavery of temporal things. And so money is the easiest thing to describe to somebody of a temporal thing while God is this eternal thing. So you cannot serve God. mean like, being a slave to God, a slave to Christ, is being a slave to the eternal. So the temporal versus the eternal. Temporal being dark. Mm-hmm. Who does it say is the ruler of this world, right? Yeah. It says Satan is the ruler of this world. Temporal being dark. Eternal being light. So can we be these things? And then Luke 11. I mean, there's a lot in here, people. Like these, You could just spend all day on these verses here. No one lights a lamp and then hides it or puts it under a basket. Brian, Brian, what do you think about that sentence right there? No one lights a lamp and then hides it or puts it under a basket. You know what I think, Giles, is is I think that for the longest time I was hiding. And the longer that we live here and the longer that we do this, the more my heart breaks for my brothers and sisters out there that are in hiding. They're hiding behind the busyness of their lives. They're hiding behind their mortgage payment. They're hiding behind stress. They're hiding behind alcohol and hobbies. They're hiding behind their kids. And that Jesus, our father, this good shepherd that says, my sheep know my voice. And they listen and they follow. And... And he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The fruit of your life, the fruit of letting me, letting Jesus be my lampstand, is way healthier than all of these temporal pursuits that we've bought into that we have to. We're we're comparing ourselves to people that send their kids to private schools and are in this elite soccer club and they throw the most biggest and elaborate birthday parties. And it just makes me sad. It just, it just absolutely breaks my heart that I see so many people that are hiding, that are afraid. Well, to, to use my own words from earlier, that the belief, the Jesus that they believe in is so small and out of control 
that they feel driven to all of these worldly things. And can we be like Christ? Can we live like Christ? Can we be a radiant light like Christ? And taking this and sort of talking about what we've been talking about here, can you see in the dark? No. So if it says the whole is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness, it's impossible to see. It's impossible to see with that darkness. But then it says actually that we even may perceive those dark things. Yeah. You hit on some things, man. And, you know, you may be striking at some idols here of people that are like, well, those things are important. Well, are we, though, putting them in the light? Are we actually allowing them in the light? Because it says we can be fooled, right? And it's actually not. It's actually darkness, and we are thinking it's light. But it says there are no dark corners. Boy, does that speak to what we were talking about with the repentance. Absolutely. Like no dark corners, meaning when you when the light of Christ exposes in us, we can't have my pet peeve. We cannot have this pie chart right. of life of making choices and saying, well, God just fits in this corner. What is he saying? No, there's no dark corners. It's your whole, your whole, whole life. life. Whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. So this darkness encroaches in, this darkness builds in. If we leave it in the corners, we actually probably start seeing it as light. And he's saying, nope, that's darkness. We do not allow the floodlight of Christ to flow out of us for others, which it says, what what did it say, Paul? Paul, go to other people. So there are commands. How can we go to other nations? So when he's picking his 12, like, Tie these pieces together. So he goes out, he selects these people. Why? He selects these people because the, he knows the great commandment is going to be for them to go out to the ends of the world and share about who he is. Can they go out to the ends of the world and share about who he is if they're filled with darkness? No, because a lamp can't be put under a basket. Can they go out to the end of the world if they're filled with spiritual darkness? Absolutely not, because they can't see and they can't hear God and they can't hear the Holy Spirit who is given to them as what? A gift by Christ so that they can do these things Think about these things. Scripture is not these separate incidents taking place. There's a whole line of events coming from Isaiah, pulled from Jesus himself, pulling it from Isaiah because he knows the heart of God, coming through knowing how the heart of man is as well. And this is a description of saying, look it, you either choose my light by having eyes to see and ears to hear, by having a teachable spirit, by having a soft heart, or you choose the dark. But you can't serve both. You can't serve two masters. So, you know, as Giles said just a few minutes ago, we don't want this at all to be condemning in any way. We really want to share with you hope that there is this community of believers that God is bringing together, this community of ordinary men and women, of a single young lady just out of grad school, who is having a tremendous impact on her small group that has gone rogue from the church that they were a part of and said, and she just, and basically Jesus just took control having a tremendous impact on her community. We are seeing a ragtag bunch of people come together in, in discipleship. And I am so excited to share with you that, 
there's hope and there is a community of people that are speaking this way and that are learning to live this way and are experiencing the light and sharing the light of the Jesus that they have come to know that really more closely matches up with what we see in Scripture. And that's really that's really kind of all we have time for today on this one, Giles. But next time, you know, I do want to continue this conversation about spiritual blindness and deafness and spiritual ears and eyes and help people identify what might be holding them up in their walk. Brian knows my heart and he knows how much I care for and love people. And the reality is I get passionate about this and I care about this so much because I've seen it mm-hmm. and I've experienced it. And I don't want any of y'all to feel like I don't want anybody to have to be short shifted here and to think that these things aren't possible, that God does not work in these ways. And so every time I challenge or I push in in these areas, I just want you guys to know that it is purely because I want you to see it. I want you to be there. I want you to experience Christ in this way. All right. Thanks for joining us in the upper room. This was a little bit more of the uh, intense conversation than the laid back on the floor, you know, eating fruit, persimmon or grapes, figs. But uh, we thank you for joining us and we hope that you'll come back and join us next time.